so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Last week we looked at um, worshipping in the gap. Uh, and so we've got these few weeks where, where we're allowed to gather again. That started last week. We're allowed to gather again. Uh, there's complete freedom about who's allowed to gather. But there's still, you know, there's still these things. There's still uh, no singing. There's still the res- some restrictions around what we can do. So it's a gap between where we'd really love to be and, and where we are right now. Uh, there's this space between. And, and so last week we explored uh, from Ezra when they were in the gap between the temple being rebuilt and the foundation being laid. They were back in the promised land. They'd laid the foundation. And so the thing to do in that space was to worship, which was a mix of celebration and weeping, uh, lamenting. And so this week we want to uh, continue. I haven't called it a series. I haven't given it a series title. But we're con- continuing to sit in that gap. And so Ezra and, and Nehemiah, that kind of overlaps with Ezra. Ezra is about rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah is about rebuilding the wall when Israel returned to the promised land. Uh, Zechariah is another good, it's, it's prophesying into that space and time. And so you know, if you're looking for some biblical books to read, I'd encourage you to, to sit with Ezra and Nehemiah and Zechariah in this space. Some of it's obviously ancient. It's all ancient, but some of it might be hard to to jump the gap to our time. But there's lots of great stuff in there about sitting in this space between. And so last week was about worshipping in the gap. But this week, uh, the title of my message for this week is, Whom Shall We Fear? Uh, Because this, this moment in Nehemiah is a moment of opposition, fear, fatigue and frustration. And so Nehemiah's story was that he was... You know, in the royal palace in Persia as well. And he was called by God to return to Jerusalem and and lead the people in rebuilding the wall. uh, The the, um, protective wall that surrounded Jerusalem. And so he was sent back to Jerusalem to do that. And then uh, they started to do that. And then the people around them uh, didn't appreciate that Jerusalem was being rebuilt. And there was a similar kind of opposition when they were rebuilding the temple. So just to remind us, in verses 7 to 10, it says, uh, When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard uh, day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And so there was opposition from surrounding peoples. There was fear of attack. But there was also fatigue and frustration. They'd done so much. They'd rebuilt so much. But they were getting weary. And they were frustrated about how much work was left to do. There was so much rubble. And so these things combined together to work against getting the task done of rebuilding the wall. Opposition, fear, fatigue, frustration were working against the people, God's people, rebuilding the wall. That, that was their calling to get done. And so it, it makes me reflect as I read that, what are we rebuilding? You know, our building hasn't been knocked down, thankfully. Uh, 
We've only got this little wall out the front, which is more about stopping children from getting into the, onto the road than, than protecting us from the Ammonites. And, and so there's nothing physical in that sense for us to rebuild. But, but I do think this is a season for us of rebuilding. We're rebuilding the church. We're rebuilding the community of faith. We're, we're reconnecting in unity. We're rebuilding the act of worshipping together. And so we're not laying physical bricks, but I, th- I think this is a season, and we talked about last week of it being the foundational laying moment, but I think this is still a season of, of rebuilding for Yas Community Baptist Church. And so the connection point here for us is we all, we might have our own fatigue. It's been a long couple years for some of us. We, we might have our own frustrations and, and, and angst and... and Sometimes grunts and groans speak louder than words about stuff. We might have our own fears and, and there may even be opposition. And we know there is in, always in a spiritual realm, there is opposition to the rebuilding of the church. But you know, we don't have the Ammonites, we don't have, have that physical threat like that. But we, all, we have our own fatigue, our own frustration, our own fears, our own opposition. And so I want to remind us of what Nehemiah said to the people that he was leading on God's behalf. The first response to this, in a sense, the words into this space. In verse 14, Nehemiah said, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And so Nehemiah, into this space of opposition, of fear, of frustration, of fatigue, he stood up before the people and he said, don't be afraid. Fear is not the answer in the gap. In the gap between where we are and where we want to be, fear is not the answer. Even without the walls that, to protect them been finished, Nehemiah says, don't be afraid. How can he say that? Uh, I'm sure that, you know, if all we had standing between us and the Ammonites was, you know, that kind of knee-height brick wall and a few rungs of cable, then, then we would be a little bit like, oh, there would be some fear for us. So how can he say that in this context? Well, he doesn't say, look at the Ammonites. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And, and this isn't just a, a fresh thought from Nehemiah. Nehemiah's not kind of got a new idea here. This is the constant refrain of Scripture. Don't be afraid. When the angel of the Lord, some believe the pre-incarnate Jesus himself, um, a bit of a theory of Old Testament scholars, but when the angel of the Lord appears to Joshua as they're entering the promised land, he says, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous because the Lord your God is with you. To go to almost the complete other end of Scripture, in Timothy, Paul, in Paul's letter to Timothy, he writes, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. This is the constant call of Scripture. 
that God's people would not be afraid. In Romans 8 verse 31, the Apostle Paul kind of distills the heart of the reason why we need not fear. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? That's the first chapter, eight chapters of Romans. But what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? We need not fear because if God is for us, then no one can truly stand against us. Now, this is not a blank check to do whatever we want. This is not like, God's for me, so I can do whatever I want and succeed. That's not the heart of of Scripture. What it means is that when we are aligned with God's purpose for our lives, when we are doing God's will, no greater power can stand against us. When you're Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem rebuilding the walls because God called you to do that, then you need not fear because you're aligned yourself with God's purpose so no one can stand against that. When we're operating in God's calling, when we're aligned with God's purpose, we have no reason for fear. Because if God is for us, who is great, who is awesome, then who can truly be against us? And so that's true when you're rebuilding a wall because God's led you to do that. And I believe it's true when we are rebuilding the church, when we're re-establishing the gathering of God's people and the body of God's people. I'm quite confident that in doing that, we're aligning with God's purpose. So there might be frustrations and concerns and fears and what about this, what about that, when, how, what, we're in the gap But we need not be afraid because God is for us. He is great. He is awesome. So no one can stand against us. And so we could end it there. And some of you are probably like, oh, yeah, that's good. 10 to 11. I'll get the roast on. We could end it there. We just don't be afraid. But but Nehemiah gives us this rich walking out of what it looks like to live out not being afraid. What does this actually look like in practice? How do we respond in faith rather than fear? And so I believe Nehemiah, there's, there's lots of stuff, but there's three key ways that I want to highlight that Nehemiah and the people building the wall of Jerusalem responded. And these three things are a great example for us. We're going to unpack them, but, but they prayed. Their first response was to pray. Then they took wise precautions. And they stayed focused on the task that God had called them to. They prayed, they took wise precautions, and they stayed focused on the task that God had called them to. So Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 9, it's already been read a couple times, but it bears reading again. I'll read verse 8 for context. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against us. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Their first response when opposition came was to pray to their God. Their first response was to pray. And so it should be our first response as well. To have this habit when there's a fear to respond in prayer. When there's a frustration 
to respond in prayer. When there's fatigue, this is too much, I can't get it all done, to respond in prayer, to pray to our God. It should be our first response. Another well-worn piece of scripture shown, Philippians chapter 4. Got a mark somewhere. Yep, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. And so anxiety and fear are kind of bound up together, aren't they? Anxiety is, in a sense, the ruminating on our fears. Again, I'm not talking about clinical anxiety here. I'm not talking about the kind of anxiety that needs uh, professional help. I would encourage you to seek professional help for that. This, this what, what Paul's about to say here, helps in that space. Uh, but this is, this is talking about ruminating on our fears. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which trans all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Many of us will be familiar with those scriptures, but essentially what Paul is saying is, let your first response to anxiety and fear, be prayer. Instead of dwelling on the fear, instead of focusing on the reasons for fear, oh, look at all the Ammonites and the Arabs and the, the, the other people around here, instead of focusing on that reason for fear, to turn to prayer. Now, of course, you know, the, the classic prayer posture, on your knees, hands together, eyes closed. God, God doesn't need you to do that to hear you. But, but the value in that is, I'm not going to lift my hands before I've prayed. It's, I'm not going to look at what's out there. I'm going to close my eyes so that my attention can be focused on God. I'm going to kneel down because I want to bow down before Him and submit myself to Him. Uh, not that we have to do that to pray, but I just think that gives us an illustration of why prayer is so important as our first response, because we're taking our eyes off the reasons for fear and frustration and fatigue and off the opposition and fixing them on God. And so in this gap between... As I said last week, we're always in the gap. We're always in the gap between the, the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and Jesus making all things new. We'll always be in some kind of gap. In this gap, our first response as followers of Jesus should always be to pray. And so that's what Nehemiah led the people in doing. We prayed to our God. And then after praying, they, they took wise precautions. Nehemiah led the people, and I'm just going to read a few verses that highlights what precautions they took. In verse 13 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. And so they identify which, which are the low places of the wall that enemies could most likely come through. Well, we'll put some people there to protect them. Jumping down to verse 16, it says, From that day on... Half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armours. The, the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked, but uh, the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. 
So they stationed people behind the low parts of the wall. They kept building the wall, but those who were building the wall made sure they had some kind of weapon with them because the wall is where they would get attacked. And then half of the people were ready to defend Jerusalem. There was a number of these wise precautions that the people of Israel took led by Nehemiah. Now, this is not living in fear. They're not ignoring the threat or the opposition. And so when I left my house this morning, I locked the front door. I'm not afraid. I'm not living in fear right now that someone's going to steal my possessions. I just, I for myself thought it was wise to lock the front door on the way out. I know that's, you know, 50-50 in a place like Yas, whether that's necessary or not. Some might think that's a little bit over the top. But I, I, I don't have, like, you know, tripwires and armaments around uh, my home. And I'm also not uh, kind of refusing to leave my house out of fear that it might get burgled. But I, but I took some wise precautions. In the car on the way here, I put my seatbelt on. I think I followed the speed limit. It's only a short drive. I wasn't paying too much attention to the speed limit, to be honest. Uh, but, but these are kind of things that... These are wise precautions I take. I wasn't afraid of a car accident on the way to church this morning. But I figured it was wise to put my seatbelt on. I'm not using these examples to... Uh, if you didn't lock your front door, then you're not wise. Uh, or that if you've got some state-of-the-art security system with bulletproof glass that you're going over the top. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we don't stick our head in the sand about it. We take wise precautions in response uh, to the situations in life. For Nehemiah, that was putting some soldiers on the low points of the wall. That was kind of halving the workforce, some ready to defend, some continuing to build. And so what would fear do in this situation? Well, I think fear lives in the extremes. Uh, sometimes in fear we respond uh, by trying to completely ignore that there's a threat whatsoever. Like that, that if I acknowledge that I need to lock my front door, that, that, that that's kind of, yep, yeah, so I'm just going to take no precautions. Or sometimes we go to the other extreme of, yeah, like nuclear warheads with you know, detectors on the front door ready to fire if anyone goes near our house. Again, I'm not trying to judge where we sit in what precautions we take, but an appropriate response to fear, frustration, opposition, appropriate response when we're in the gap is to think what's wise. And so for us, I think we need to keep our heads in this space in between. We need to be considered. We need to not live in the extremes of going over, you know, living in this fear of I, I need to do everything or refusing to take any action. And I'm, whatever that is about. I'm sure there are people in Nehemiah's time that were like, I think we should completely stop building the wall and just focus completely on defending with swords. I'm sure there are others who said, Having to carry a sword around is really slowing down the building process. But ultimately, in the midst of that, they trusted the leadership and the work got done. We might be in a space where some of us think as a church we should tweak the knobs a little bit, but I'm trusting that together 
we can trust our leadership as a church that what we are seeking to do, whether we agree or not, is to be wise. Some might think that we're doing too much. Some might think we're not doing enough. But we're seeking to sit in the space of what's, what's a wise movement forward here? What I really want to land on, though, is we pray. We seek to be wise in the space in between. But the biggest thing I want to draw out here is that they stayed focused on the task. They didn't let the threat become a distraction. And so just to jump to, towards the end of that passage, to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 21, it says, So we continue the work with half the men holding spears, from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. The, the phrase I want to highlight there is, so we continue the work. The story of Nehemiah continues to the point that the wall gets built and then it goes beyond that. And we'll look at that a little bit next week. So we continued the work. They prayed, they took wise precautions, but they didn't go looking for a fight. They didn't let the threat the opposition, the fear become a distraction from their calling. They were called there to rebuild the wall, not to fight the Ammonites. And so that was the priority, that was the focus. They didn't let themselves get distracted. Yes, they probably may have ultimately took a little bit longer because they took wise precautions, but they didn't take them. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't have got it built either. There's this... A couple of verses in Timothy that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy that um, I often reflect on when I'm tempted to get involved um, in a fight that I'm not called to. Uh, ironically, it's words about being a soldier. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And so what that's saying is a soldier has a purpose and has a commander. That soldier might get tempted to, to get involved in things that don't fit under that purpose, but a good soldier stays on purpose. And so in my life, I'm tempted sometimes there's, there's something over here that, that might frustrate me, and I'm like, why is the world like that? And it might annoy me. And I think I'm going to launch into spending all of my energy on fixing this thing. And those words remind me that it might be someone's calling to fix this thing, but that my calling is over here. And so what Nehemiah and the people didn't do is they didn't allow the threat to shift them from the calling of building the wall to looking for fights. We need to focus on what we're called to do. In the gap, we will get triggered by stuff. There will be stuff that frustrates you. There will be stuff that causes fear and anxiety. There will be fatigue and frustration. But we shouldn't be looking for a fight that's not our calling. The danger is that we get so preoccupied with fighting battles that we're not called to that we miss the thing that we're meant to be doing. That works on a personal level. We need to think about, what is my calling? Is it to fight this battle? As much as this thing might frustrate me and annoy me and drive me crazy, and 
Is it my calling to fix that? Is it my calling to fight that? I'm sure there were those amongst the people building the walls. Can't we just go out and, and fight them? But it wasn't what they were called to do. We need to think, what am I called to do? And as a church, we need to think about what are we called to do? And as I said, I I believe that we are called to a season of rebuilding, not the wall, but the church. In Peter, he writes about the Lord building the church out of living stones. That being us, God's people. We're called to rebuild the church, I believe. We're called to reestablish community. We're called to, to walk in unity. We're called to show up in the world. These are all the things we looked at in our Moving Forward series. We're called to show up in the world in ways that demonstrate the grace and love of God too. And so let's not get distracted by the threats, the opposition, the fear, the fatigue, the frustration. Let's not go looking for fights that we're not called to fight. Let's pray. Let's be wise in our, in our tangible response to the situations of the season. But above all else, let's stay focused on who we're called to be and what we're called to do. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team from wherever they've gone. Yep, they're there to come up. And as they do that, I'm going to pray. Um, And if you're willing and able, I I invite you to join me in prayer. Uh, Stand up if you can. Um, If you can't or don't want to, that's fine. I'm going to close my eyes, so it's no big difference for me. And so once again, Father, we come before you standing in a gap. We stand in the gap between lockdown and completely free. We stand in the gap between resurrection and your return. We stand in the gap between laying the first bricks of rebuilding and the task being complete. And so, Father, you know all too well the the opportunity for opposition and fear and fatigue and frustration in this space. And so I pray this morning that you would help us to to close our eyes to the threats and fix our hearts on you, that we would bring everything that causes fear, everything that causes anxiety and frustration and fatigue. I pray that we would bring everything towards you as a first response as we pray. So I just encourage you this morning, if there's stuff that's sitting in that space for you in the gap, just give it to God in prayer right now. Paul says through prayer, through supplication, thanksgiving, request, he's kind of saying, however you want to phrase it, give that to God right now. Father, I pray that you would help us to be wise in our own individual lives and as we 
move forward together as a church. Help us to be wise, not fearful. But yet still wise in the way we move forward. But above all else, Lord, I pray that you would refresh each within each of us a sense of, of calling to rebuild your church. Not just me, not just the pastor, not just the worship team or the tech crew or the elders or the deacons. I pray, Lord, that you would refresh in each of us that sense of call to rebuild the church. And in doing so, I pray that you help us to not chase fights that you're not calling us to. Help us to keep our our eyes fixed on you and your calling for us in this season. declare in doing so that if God is for us, then who can stand against us? You are the only one that we fear and revere and worship and bow down to. So we want to do that right now, Father. We want to just worship you. Fix all of our attention upon you. May we, as we worship now, see the might of He that is for us. And the smallest, smallness of the things that stand against us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.